It's time to step into the more that God has for you. This is Eunice Lai, and I would like to welcome you to today's episode of Beyond the Building with Laura Pereno and Debbie Kiever of the Beyond Women's Conference. Well, welcome back to Beyond the Building. We are in the month of December, and Debbie and I are so excited with this new series that we have this month called Not Left Out. If you were with us last week, we looked at the fact that Jesus understands, he really understands what it means to be left out. And because he understands what it means to be left out, when we feel left out, we have one who can sympathize with us. And that's just such a a gift that God gave us. We have one who can relate to us, Deb, and I think that's just a a powerful teaching uh, that we were able to share last week based on uh, Jesus and the Christmas story. I'm so excited for where God's leading us uh, this month. But we talked also about the challenge for each of us individually and for the challenge for the church uh, as we come into this Christmas season because it's easy for us to get so busy or distracted that we sometimes... Uh, don't recognize those around us who are feeling left out. And the challenge for us is to become more aware of, more sensitive to the needs of those around us who are feeling led, left out, and really to ask the Spirit to show us how to reach out to those around us who may be feeling that way. I, I love, Laura, how you can look at the same scripture, and the more you keep listening to the Holy Spirit, it continues to unfold uh, more of how to apply this in our lives. And today's podcast is a is a bit ironic because we're going to take a look at the same Christmas story again. But this time, there was an in crowd in that day. There was a very much an in crowd who ironically were very much out of the loop, you know, mm-hmm. of what was going on around them. And then there was the crowd that was really considered the out crowd. And that is the crowd that God went after to make sure they were included. Mm. So it's kind of a, it's, it's hard to even say that in one sentence, but, <laughs> but if we look back at the crowd that was missing Jesus's birth, the significance of the Messiah um, being born, it was all these folks in Bethlehem who had a room, who had mm. a place, who were included, you know, they had a place to lay their head. You had all these religious leaders who were scholars of Old Testament prophecy, as well as those that were just in the loop in the the hustle and bustle of Bethlehem. And yet literally right under their nose, the Messiah was born and they missed it. They didn't see him for who he really was. You know, we read the story and we think about things like this and we say, how could they have missed it? It was right there. The truth was right there under their nose. And I think when we're growing up and we're putting the the pieces in the nativity scene, we kind of say, how could people have possibly missed that the Messiah was being born, had come to Bethlehem uh, right there under their nose? But it doesn't stop there because the people in the city of Bethlehem didn't just miss the Messiah being born right there in their own city. They missed him as he was growing up too. And we know when we get to Luke chapter four, uh, Jesus and his parents, they now live in Nazareth. And the group, the people in Nazareth, just like you were referring to those who were in, those who were part of the in crowd, even the people who were in the synagogue and the leaders in the city of Nazareth, they missed who he was as he was growing up. And if you look at Luke four, uh, he goes back to Nazareth many years later 
when he's in his ministry years and he's actually rejected by his hometown. He's rejected by the people that he grew up around. He's rejected by the leaders of the synagogue when here he comes reading the scriptures about himself and yet he's right under their nose. There he is, the Messiah they are still crying out for and they missed him right there. You know, I look I look at those same, same leaders who could recite verbatim Old Testament yes. prophecy, right? And And I think... How can you be looking at his life and hearing things that he is saying and not have a connection made in your mind that, wow, this sounds vaguely familiar with yes. something I've memorized yes. my whole life. I look back at Isaiah 53, 2 and 3. This is Old Testament, Old Testament prophet, Testament prophetic word. It says he grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering, familiar with pain, like one from whom people hid their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. And this is what they were saying. This is how they were viewing Jesus, rejecting him. And mm. Laura, back in that passage in Luke four, when they were hearing what Jesus was saying, uh, you know, reading scripture, their response was they got up and they tried to, they dragged him out of the town in an effort to throw him off a cliff. That yes. was, that yes. was their rejection of him. That is major rejection, Deb. <laughs> it is. And yet they're looking, I'm looking at the old Testament says that's exactly yes. the rejection that the Messiah would receive one day. Yeah. And they, they didn't get it, but it, if anything, it proves to me that, you know, God knew what was coming. Yes. He's in control and he, he was saying, look, I, I'm going to send my son. And this is the response that the people are going to have. Yes, yes, yes. That just puts on my heart, Deb, the, the prayer that we would not miss Jesus in the moments that we're living, right? These right. people, they knew it, they missed him. But the ironic thing is, as we, as we look at this story, is while the in crowd, those who we just said would be in the know, while they missed the truth about Jesus, even while he was right under their noses, it was the out crowd of the day that God included in the story in Luke chapter two that we refer to all of the time when we tell the Christmas story. Jesus, God brought in the out crowd so that they would not miss the important event of Jesus's birth. And when we think about who was on the outside at Jesus's birth, who would have been the out crowd, the first people that come to our minds uh, really are the shepherds. And as we dig into this, it's so interesting. If, if you want to check out Luke chapter two, verses eight to 20, it's the story of the shepherds and how they responded when they heard the news of the Messiah. And the shepherds were definitely in the out crowd. Like there is no way that any shepherd in that season felt like they were part of the popular club or they were in the inn, right? Not only were they physically outside of the city, uh, but they were also socially outside of really the community. If we look at those two things, physically, and we think about shepherds, they're outside of the city gate. And when they would go out of the city gate to take care of their sheep, many times they were gone for months at a time, Deb. And 
think about how it feels for us to be away for a few hours. When I travel with Dan and we go to, you know, far off places and I might be in the airplane and I know this is a shocking number, but I've been in an airplane for 17 hours straight uh, flying without Wi-Fi. 17 hours is A, a very long time to be in an airplane and B, a very long time to be out of communication. When you land, it's almost the next day and you feel like you are completely out of the loop. I cannot imagine, especially in the culture we live in today, being out of the loop for months at a time. The shepherds were certainly on the out, but they were also considered socially out. They were definitely not in the cool club. Uh, People didn't go around and brag that they had been with the shepherds, right? Nobody was like, oh, we're having a party for the elite, so let's make sure that the shepherds are there, right? right? They They were considered outcasts, dirty, not socially up the ladder, and so they were not at the top of an invitation list. So interesting, so interesting that God would go and bring in those who were on the out to hear about the Savior's birth. It just reminds you that God's not limited by things that limit us. I mean, the so the shepherds, I don't think they really gave much thought about, well, I'm not getting real-time updates mm. because it wasn't even an option. Like for us, the fact that you can say, oh, I had 17 hours without Wi-Fi. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of people going, I have a heart attack if I'm like out of the zone driving through like the hills in our neighborhood. So yes, yes. Know, like for us, we're so used to, instant real-time communication yes but the shepherds weren't used to that Mm. right but it's also you know when somebody's not making an effort either to try to get information to you and i think that's where we might feel some Mm. of that you know where where we learn after the fact about some event that has happened in someone's life only because someone mentioned something later yeah i think that's what they're they were used to that Yes. You know, it's almost like last, the last few months, this happened, like somebody had a baby, you know, like they just, they don't keep up with those things. There was nothing in a real time mode. And so here you have the shepherds in Luke two out on a hill at night. I mean, the the last thing in the world that they're anticipating is for the lights to just explode all over Mm. the sky with angels. Mm. What a commotion. I mean, yes. We live, you know, you and I live in places where there's just enough lights that it's, your sky may be dark at night, but you feel like there's light someplace. But we've been places where there's no light, but the yes. stars. And that's yes. what they had. That's yes. what they were used to. So they have suddenly the lights all over the sky and the, the singing and the announcement of the birth of Jesus. I don't think they even know what to do with that. Yeah, absolutely. I I wish we could see their faces or we could have seen their faces because I think there's going to be this total look of shock and startled uh, on their expression. And the the question, can you imagine them saying not only like, what, what are they saying? What are the angels saying? But like, after they got over the shock of what was being said, the Messiah has come. I bet the next question was, why would anybody tell us? Like, Why us? We clearly are not the ones who are usually in the know. We are not the ones that are ever considered uh, important for an announcement. And why us? Right, right. I love their response, Debbie, because when they heard the amazing news, uh, it says in Luke chapter 2, so they hurried off. They hurried off. I love that. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And I think that's really powerful, too, because they didn't say, 
oh, it must not really be for me, or I'm going to check this out a little bit. No, God had spoken a word to them, even in an unexpected circumstance, and they're like, we have got to get there. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about the child. And all who heard it from the shepherds were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her hearts. The shepherd, her heart, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which had just been told to them. Doesn't it make you wonder um, why, why them? Why would God pick the shepherds? Why not the influencers of the day, yeah. right? The religious leaders were the influencers. How about the ones who had the most money or the most, um, you know, like prestige in the community? Mm. And and yet it really shows that God, what God values is very different, mm. you know, than what culture values. Mm. When we think of what, what was it about the people in Bethlehem that caused them to miss the coming of the Messiah? We said that they were just too busy. You know, they were too distracted with what they were doing. Um, they were obviously placing their own needs first in front of us, maybe this pregnant woman that needed a bed. So the shepherds, they're not too busy. I mean, they're out there on the field. It's not like they're doing nothing. They are like we say, oh, they're watching their flocks by night. They were protecting their flocks by night. It's not that they were just mm. relaxing. They were on guard, mm -hmm. you know, watching. But it's not like there's a ton of distraction out there. So there's something to be said about being in a place that's quiet and not overscheduling yourself. But I think the bigger deal was their response revealed hearts, hearts that were open to receive. Um, and they and their response really demonstrated that, God, if you're going to take the time to, to tell me this, I'm not concerned with, well, I'll get check my agenda and see when it's convenient to come in from the fields because they could have potentially been out quite a ways you know, to, to try to get to Bethlehem. He was just looking for open hearts. He wasn't mm -hmm. looking for the people with the status or the titles or the positions. It's the heart piece he was looking for. That's so true. God is not impressed, Deb, uh, with who's considered in the in crowd. And I think right along with what you were just saying, one of the reasons that God uh, spoke to the shepherds is he knew that the shepherds uh, would be so amazed by this that they would want to tell everybody else. And I'm also I'm kind of picturing some of those people who thought they were in the in crowd. If they got a a piece of this information, right, they might keep it for themselves till a moment when it would be good for them to share it. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. guess what the news is that I got because I am so you know this and that. And so might they have made it more about themselves that they had this tremendous piece of news where the shepherds were so uh, humble and lowly that they were like, I, I just got to get the word out there. And so they took off and told the truth. But um, his focus really is on our hearts. And so as really we will always want to come down in this in this uh, series what's the challenge for us what's the challenge for the church as we go forward into this christmas season um there's some serious questions we can ask ourselves like number one how important uh is status to us you know is being considered popular or being in the in crowd is that important to us or are we willing to let go of our status in order to put ourselves in the position where we can really hear from the Lord and go out and tell? But when we make our, 
our goal or our focus uh, being popular or creating our own platform or having more followers or likes on social media, all of those different things. When we want to be known as somebody who is in the in crowd, um, our eyes do shift away from not just what really matters, but who really matters, right? Jesus. Our eyes shift away from Jesus and his heart and his goals. I think we need to have some discussion, Laura, asking each of ourselves this question, like deep down, do I view myself as being in that in crowd? You know, the the one that most people are following or asking my opinion or including me. Do you feel like that's you? And maybe that's the standard around, you know, the, the group that you hang with. But if I consider myself as like, I feel good about myself, like I've got a good group of friends and, and there's nothing wrong with that. But if that's where your identity, if that's where you're prioritizing your, your, your days and, and really what's most important to you, then is it possible that I am missing the truth, not only about who Jesus really is, but who is he to me? Is he a convenient savior or is he Lord? Because if he's Lord of my life, then what matters to him is going to be the priority to me. And I'm going to, I'm going to make that my goal. And Jesus always cared about people, right? He didn't worry about protocol. He didn't worry about uh, trying to uh, create a following. He loved those that were least likely to be loved and it produced a following. It's kind of backwards, yes. kind of backwards from what society tells us to do right now. So if I'm, if I'm sitting here going, I feel like I'm in the in crowd. Like I feel like I've achieved that status. Then stepping back and just inviting the Holy Spirit to look at my heart. Have I created an idol mm. of having people's opinions of me be more important than God's opinion? Because what's most important on God's heart is that I would love him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and that I would love my neighbor as myself, that is the most important thing on God's heart. It's not the maintaining a certain level of popularity. That's not, that's not important to God. So I need to look back. I need to look inside really and invite the Holy spirit. Is that what's, what's the truth about what do I believe inside as most important? Who is Lord of the way I'm conducting my life. And when I look at people, Laura, and I, and I well, they're not really popular. This one's kind of like way out there. This one's just weird, you know, and I, I look at people that way, then I am not looking with the eyes of Christ mm -hmm. at those who are out there. He, I think he looks at those who are considered the out crowd and goes, man, I mm -hmm. love that person. Mm, I love that. And it doesn't take long to look in the gospels and find out that Jesus loved the out crowd. You know, when you see the stories of, of Jesus on his journey in his three years of ministry, he was constantly going and ministering to those on the outside. He went to the leper and he didn't just talk to them. He, he touched those with leprosy, those who no one else would touch. Talk about being on the out crowd. These people had to live outside of the city also, and no one could even touch them. And he went to the outcast. He went to the lost rich person. He went to the Samaritan woman, the, you know, the one who uh, had, you know, he knew her whole story and he still went to her. Uh, he went to children. 
He went to the prostitutes. He went to the tax collector and invited him into his closest circle. And none of them were popular. (laughs) No, every single one of these people, the popular people would say, why are you connecting with them? You know, if social media was a thing back then, they would say, oh my goodness, what are you doing to your platform, right? Look what you're doing. I remember the Pharisees saying to Jesus, if you knew who you were talking to, like, dude, I thought you were as discerning. You are missing this. Exactly. And I want to say to the Pharisees, if you you knew knew. who you were talking to, you know, you might say something a little bit differently. But I think... Obviously, uh, Jesus being fully God and fully man, he had a heart, right, to reach people. But Jesus also knew who he was and what he was sent to do. We talk so much on this podcast about our identity, and Jesus' identity was secure. He knew who he was, and he didn't need popularity or being in the in crowd or hanging with the in crowd to define who he was or who his, what his worth was. And when we can uh, model our lives according to the way that he walked, um, when we can discover our identity and our value and our purpose in our relationship with Jesus, then we're going to find out that we don't have to be so consumed and we're not going to be as consumed with needing to be in the in crowd. And when we can come to that place, we're going to be able to reach out so much better to those around us who are still feeling left out. Now, Laura, some people may be saying, I have never felt like I was in the in crowd. And and so maybe, maybe some of our listeners are going, you know what, I actually feel a little bit more connected to the out crowd. Like I've known that I've not been included and I've, you know, even at church, I feel like I'm on the fringe, right? Mm -hmm. So the challenge for that person, first of all, let me just say to you that God sees you. God sees you like he, if he can go find the shepherds, you are not hard for God to find because he's never stopped seeing you. Mm -hmm. And he looks at you very differently than perhaps even you look at you, he's looking at you and saying, you know, that you're in a position to make a profound impact on other people. Mm, And mm. you're like, I don't see how you can do that. Well, you are in this quote out crowd, but that's a platform where I plan to use you Mm. to, to be high impact people. He did that with the shepherds. I mean, because they were, their response was immediate. They had a story to tell and that's what they did. And then, okay, that's the shepherds. We can also look at the woman at the well, one of my favorite stories in the word. She also was on the out crowd and she had a story to tell after she had an encounter with Jesus. And what I love about her story and the shepherd's story is that Jesus went to her in her place of being an outcast. He met her in the place where she was fallen and people wouldn't want to be with her. He wanted to be with her. And when he transformed her, when he told her who she was, and she came into this understanding of of what was going on and what this was all about, she ran and she told the story just like the shepherds did. She told the story to her whole community about who Jesus was. When we are found by Jesus as an outcast, uh, we we come out, Deb, with a crazy, amazing story to tell. You know, I think back in college, Laura, I mean, you and I went, went through college together and um, my husband and I, we, for, for choices of 
the way we wanted to be involved in ministry by our junior and senior year, we didn't move up that food chain of leadership intentionally. We stayed in a position of just teaching Bible studies and, and not stepping into leadership. And we felt like that's where God called us to go. But as a result, our peer group continued to move up in ministry leadership, you know, areas. And very naturally there, those friend groups got closer you know, and it's just natural because you're in meetings together and you have more shared experiences mm-hmm. and, and it wasn't anything intentional. It was just purely you're in different peer groups at that point. But I do remember junior and senior year, the two of us really feeling like we were now in the out crowd because mm. we didn't, we didn't get the jokes. We weren't included mm. in the late night pizza nights after meetings. You know, we were just, we were just out there and it hurt. You know, it hurt at times, but then we realized that God was, we were where he wanted us to be. And so God, what do you want us to do in this place of feeling left out? He started opening our eyes to this large group of international students who absolutely felt left out, you know, and when the Mm -hmm. holidays would come, they didn't have a home to go to. And so God used our position of feeling out to actually reach out to other people who really, I think really did feel out and they not only the language barrier, but culturally, and then not having a home Mm. to go to. So we began to bring college kids home from who are from different countries. And then when we got married, that, that heart for international ministry continued. And for years, years to come, we would have international students come and spend you know, like weekends or sometimes even a whole spring break at our house. We even had kids when we were doing that. And it's, it's become a, such a blessing. Uh, both, both Ward and I love opening the house to people who just, mm. for whatever reason in life, don't have a, a crowd, mm. right. To hang with. So it's, it's become a platform, you know, for ministry for us, but it came from finding ourselves in a place where we didn't feel connected. You know, Deb, I I walked the same road there right at UD with you. And I have to say, I know your story now, but at that at time, I did not know the why behind uh, why you were reaching out and how you got to that place to make that decision. And what what I saw on the outside was a, a, a guy and a girl who just had a heart for Jesus and wanted to reach out to people. To hear you share in the past years that this really came out of a place where you felt left out, I think challenges us all to say, where are the places that we do feel left out in this season or in life in general? And kind of say, just like you did, God, um, what are you doing in me in this moment of being left out? And then what do you want to do through me? in this moment of being left out because God doesn't waste anything. And Mm -mm. when we experience pain, when we experience loneliness, when we experience feeling like we're on the outside, it's all for a purpose. Right. And as we wrap up uh, today's talk, I think it's just so interesting. There are seasons in our lives where we may be in for a moment and out the next, right? Mm-hmm. But in both of those seasons, we can follow Jesus in both of those places. In those moments where we feel like we're connected with what's going on, we have an opportunity to love the people that we're with and share the word. But in those moments when we are feeling like we're on the outside, 
it's another opportunity to reach out and take a hold of the hands around us who feel lonely and raise them up, right? And bring them into the kingdom. So I'm I'm loving these challenges and it's opening my eyes up to make sure that I am in my moment that I'm living, uh, reaching out and being Jesus uh, to those around me who may not feel uh, like they are on the in, you know, really opening my eyes to see who might feel like they're on the out. You know, I think so much of our approach to life changes when we get a bit of his perspective, you know, of our circumstances or his plan, you know, it's just, it's just so different. And as we go into next week, Laura, we're going to be focusing on really probably the most important podcast that we could have all year long. Mm. Jesus came, we're talking about Christmas time, right? The Christmas story, ultimately Jesus came so that none of us would ever be left out of Amen. a relationship with God, Amen. regardless of whether you feel like you're in the in crowd or the out crowd or, or somewhere in between, all of us had a, an out relationship yep. with God. And that's why Jesus came so that we didn't have to live that way any longer. And then just as a reminder, as we finish up 2021, uh, Eunice Lai is going to be with us and really a powerful testimony of how God brought about a lot of healing in this very area of her own life um, by walking through COVID. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly a story that a lot of people have experienced this year, but again, it's perspective. You know, yep. when you walk through something, God reveals something to you in the heart about his heart for you and about his Amen. character that I, I don't know that you would get it when everything is going smoothly. Absolutely. So I'm excited, excited to come back next week for Me too. this podcast number three in December. So for from Laura and I just want to thank you for joining us again in this series as we are processing, right, what God is showing us in the scriptures and challenging ourselves, challenging all our listeners. We just thank you for being with us. We pray for you. Uh, Merry Christmas as you're drinking your eggnog and doing all your fun traditions. <laughs> do not, do not miss, right? Do not miss That's what's right. right under your nose. That's right. The That's most right. important um, reason for the season. So That's right. thanks for joining us, everybody. We appreciate you. All right. God bless you. Talk to you next week. We believe that God will use what was shared to encourage you as you step into the more that he has prepared for you today. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, remember, you were created for more. 